Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Live Dharma Sunday. If you have called in to listen to this morning's broadcast, please note that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are joining us from either the Bright Dawn Name site or the Blog Talk Radio site, please note that it is not necessary to call in. If you are experiencing loss of audio or the Blog Talk Radio player is not working properly, please refresh your page and hit the play button once more. It may take a few moments for your browser to complete the buffering process. Once again, welcome to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the broadcast. Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for December 24th, 2017. Koyo Kubose here, so very, very glad you joined us on this Christmas Day Eve, as they call it. And this is the season where if you go shopping in the malls and stores, you see Santa here and there. Um... Ho, 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 and so forth. And, of course, Santa is uh, a rotund, stocky fellow dressed in a red suit. And it struck me that since December and uh, winter holidays time and Santa Claus, um, uh, in Japanese culture, there's a... Daruma doll, and uh, this Daruma doll is pear-shaped, that is, sort of rotund, (laughs) overweight, we won't say fat, okay, and he's always depicted all red, Uh, very similar to Santa Claus, and this Daruma doll is based upon, I think, uh, Bodhidharma, who was the uh, first Zen patriarch, brought Zen meditation from India to China. And he's famous for sitting in a cave facing a wall for nine years. Huh? Very determined resolve. And as the legend goes, he sat so long that 
uh, he, he lost, he didn't need any legs. Okay. And that's why Hadar Madal is pear shaped. Okay. No arms or legs. And it has big, two big eyes. Because Dharma, Bodhidharma uh, sewed his eyelids up so that he won't fall asleep. Okay. Uh, so Bodhidharma represents kind of very determined resolve and and the Dharma doll is known for a saying in Japanese. I don't remember it, it in Jap- how to say it in Japanese, but the meaning is seven times down, eight times up. Because this this Dharma doll, the pear shaped, see, it's weighted heavier on the bottom than on the top. It's sort of like a bobo doll shape. And a bobo doll, you know, is weighted on the bottom. So if you knock it over, punch it, knock it over, it comes right back up. No matter how many times you knock it over, it comes up. Okay. Seven times down, eight times up. Uh, seven times down, eight times up mean no matter how many times you get knocked over. It doesn't have to be literally just up to seven. Okay. Um, so in life... The teaching, of course, is life will knock you down. Get back up. Oh, I shouldn't be knocked down. I'm not trying to stand up straight. No, you go. It's okay. You go with the punches, okay? But you come back up. That's You keep going. And it also struck me that, you know, um, there's some a Japanese culture in there in terms of when you're supposed to, if you get, if you have a Dharma doll and you start a big project, you know, uh, in your life, a new venture, you, you color in because the two eyes are white. You color in the eyeball, the pupil on one eye. Then when you finish that, that, uh, project or venture, then you fill in the other eye. And I don't know where that came from, but okay. I guess it means you keep going, okay, and finish the task, things like that. Um, and then I remember when I was living in um, in Japan, and our home was right near the Daitokuji Zen Temple, and the monks, one of their church. Uh, training rituals is they call it to go begging but it's really uh they go out and by themselves they go into different neighborhoods and they uh they announce their presence to let people know that they're in the neighborhood walking by by saying ho because ho is the dharma you know in the chinese uh, pronunciation okay um, when you write the word for Dharma, it's pronounced ho. Okay, just like Sangha, the dar- that is called so. Okay, and Butsu or Bu is Buddha, you know, three treasures. And so these monks, they they chant the, the pronunciation of the sound ho for Dharma. And you could hear them as they walk, they say, oh, 
repeat that sound. And then people that who want to, they come out to their front door and they, and then usually you have your hands in gusho and then the monk sees you there and he comes over and he lifts up his rakusu, which is that cloth around his neck. He lifts it up and then you drop in your, your donation or offeree, offertory or offering. Okay. And he has on the straw hat, you know, that typical pointed one and wide brim so that you don't see his eyes. You know, there's no social interaction uh, verbally or eye contact. Okay. But he take, receives your donation and you do gusho to each other and he goes on his way. And uh, it's a way of of uh, off, offering an opportunity for the lay people to, you know, show their dana or their generosity, their sharing, and so forth. But it occurred to me that, and especially they go, go takohatsu, they call it, which is the word for just translated as begging, although that's not a very good translation. Um, to instill humility in the monk and offer people uh, opportunity to gain merits, so-called. Uh, oftentimes this occurs during the cold winter months and uh, you can hear, you hear the sound. And I, I used to take my son and we go there and we throw in a hundred yen coin there and so forth, okay. Uh, but that whole sound, I never put it together that it's the same sound that Santa Claus makes when he's proclaiming, ho, 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 you know, holiday season, share, you know, and time of sharing and generosity, ho, ho, ho. And so then I thought, well, that's what the, the Zen monks say when they're on their takuhatsu rounds proclaiming the Dharma. So... Then after that, I couldn't help but every time I saw Santa Claus, <laughs> when I when you go shopping in the shopping malls and they're saying ho ho ho, I said hey, hey Santa Claus, he must be a Buddhist. He's just like the Dharma doll, and and they're proclaiming the good news. The Dharma's here. Ho ho ho! <laughs> I really got I got a kick out of that, and. Uh, so I thought I'd share you that memory since it's ho, ho, ho time and uh, the winter holidays, very festive time. Well, I'd like to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today, Roger Sayo. Uh, he lives in Georgia. He was part of our LM5 group, and he and his wife, Dorothy Merrick, went through the program together. And... Uh, the Merrick family uh, has close ties to the Kubose family. It was way back with my parents when uh, Dr. Merrick uh, was a veterinarian, had a practice in Kenosha, Wisconsin, about hour, hour and a half north of Chicago. And uh, there are a lot of uh, shared memories um, of the Merrick family and the Kubose family. Um, so... Seyo, uh, Roger's Dharma name that I gave him is uh, Sey is stars, and of course Yo is the sun. So stars and sun, and the sun represent is also um, 
a symbol of the East, Japan, and the East. Okay? And stars and stripes, stars can represent the West in America. So Roger's Dharma name uh, literally is stars and the sun, which could mean, you know, day and night too, night and day, but also America and Japan or the blend of East-West or Buddhism coming West, just like the famous, why did the Bodhidharma (laughs) come West, come from India to China? Uh, That's the famous koan in the Zen tradition. So all these connections kind of blend together at this time of the year. But let's hear from Roger Zayo. This December 8th, we celebrated Gautama's awakening to his own enlightened original nature. I and others celebrated this day with four days of meditation at the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. Enlightenment did not just suddenly appear for Gautama. Rather, he spent years and studied with many teachers and learned many techniques. But all of these teachers and years of effort did not yield the deep understanding Gautama sought. Finally, in desperation, he sat under a fig tree, vowing not to stir until he understood the great matter of life and death. It came after years of searching for understanding, and it came after a night of sitting in the third watch of the night. Even then, the Buddha wondered if this was something he could explain to others. And so he sat another 49 days while he formulated the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, and the other teaching tools that he used to introduce his new practice to the world. I came to Brighton on through Soto Zen and was fortunate enough to find that they are both large enough to encompass each other. In Zen, we say, if you sit still enough, long enough, something will happen. This was one of the first things I learned in my Soto Zen practice. Zen of all flavors emphasizes the importance of meditation, quiet, upright sitting. This is meditation without a purpose, and there is no mantra, no visualization, no intention. Instead, you sit in a stable posture. Find your upright position. Follow your breath for a few inhalations, and then pay attention to your mind. That is, you watch your mind do the many things it does all the time. But this time, you don't judge yourself the person or thing about which thoughts arise, or judge the nature of the thoughts. You just sit and watch the noisy surface of your mind. After some time, maybe a few years, your mind quiets. Then your mind can become what Reverend Guillaume calls the natural self. This is the easy way. But the easy way is also hard. Reverend Guillaume gives us a poem by his teacher, It's in the center within and is called the natural way. It says, and I abbreviate parts of it. My thought is my thought. It is never myself. My experience is experience. It is never myself. My feelings are feelings. It is never myself. 
My will is will. It is never myself. My wishes are wishes. It is never myself. My deeds are deeds. It is never myself. When we think of ourselves as these things, it is a terrible mistake. If none of these are myself, then who am I? I'm not a limited self. I don't exist apart from others yet. I alone am the most noble. I embrace the cosmos. This is what Reverend Yomi has to tell us. And this is what the Buddha realized after his sitting under the Bodhi tree. This is the essence of bright dawn, the essence of Zen, and the essential point of all Buddhism. Thank you. You very much. Yeah, a lot of a lot of meat there. As Roger Sale was speaking, I had my associations, and uh, you know, after uh, as I said, uh, when the patriarch of the family, Dr. John Merrick, retired from his veterinarian practice, um, he retired to. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia area, where some of his his children had been. You know, his dog. He had uh, can't remember now five, six kids. Kids. <laughs> One son, David, went through our program too. Um, but the family clustered around Atlanta, where some of the adult children uh, made their home. And so I, I've been to Atlanta quite a few times to visit the marriage for different occasions, uh, weddings and funerals and whatnot. And then one time, um, Roger uh, Sayo, he and his wife Dorothy were, were members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. So we visited uh, the center, met Allison Roshi, and um, we had a nice chat in their Zendo. And I had, on that trip, uh, I had brought some stones from, at that time, we we were living outside of Chicago in Skokie. And and from my yard, I brought, I was into uh, pebble offerings. And so I had pebbles from my property. And it so happened that the Atlanta Zen Center built a new, uh, new building and so I put a four stones, I gave them four stones to put at the four corners of the building. And uh, I, I got a nice uh, black sweatshirt, Atlanta Soto Zen Center on it, and things like that. Um, I think. Uh, <clears throat> You know, we have an individual self, as Roger Sale was quoting from Reverend Haya Akagadasu's poem, Who Am I? Okay. And we might think that we are our actions or our will or our you know, mind and all these things, but those are manifestations of individual self. Okay. And 
at core of every individual self is or underlying or what individual self is grounded upon is what might be called universal self, which is a phrase that my father used. He liked that phrase. Okay. Uh, sometimes this is called Buddha nature or so forth. Okay. Uh, individual self is relative self. The universal self is the absolute self. Okay. There's no comparisons there. Right? Relative means there's comparisons. It's the dualistic world. It's the, you know, judgmental world. Okay? But absolute self, universal self, okay? underlies all the individual selves. Okay? So sometimes that universal self might be called the Buddha nature or the, or the natural self. Okay? Uh, natural self meaning, you know, big N. Okay? And universal self is a self spelled with the capital S okay, to, de- to denote that it's absolute self, not the small individual self. Okay? And um, this is, a, I think, a December Bodhi Day, uh, Enlightenment Day. Bodhi means wisdom. What is it? What what is wisdom? Okay. To know who you are, okay, uh, and so forth. Uh, the natural way. I, I like that word naturalness. Huh? Just your you and your whole karmic interaction of what life is all about with your in with your universal self being expressed through your individual self. Okay. Meaning that uh, you know, it's a process. Self is a verb, not a noun. That's yeah, that's good. Huh? It's change, constant change, moving interdependency, all everything working together. Natural laws, Mother Nature, begin nature. Okay. Okay. And. Uh, we have to sit still sometimes to experience this. It's not something that's, uh, oh, I understand. I got an insight. And then you verbalize a teaching. Now, of course, human beings, we, we, we have to open our mouths and try to explain something. Okay? And we try to be aware that there's limitations. And every time we open our mouths, we're in the relative world. And uh, somehow the speaker or the teacher has to has to make known that there is something beyond those words, beyond the language, beyond the concepts, uh, something about life itself that's coming from universal life. I remember, let me close with a memory. Uh, different denominations in Buddhism and, and celebrate in different ways to different degrees um, the Bodhi Day period and um, in some Zen traditions they have what's called Rohatsu Seshin Seshin is a period of intense sitting meditation Rohatsu means in December 12th month and where the practitioners or the monks they sit for seven days okay 
starting December 1st to uh, December 8th, okay? And um, it's a time of intense sitting and time when you, every, several times a day, every day, it's an opportunity to go have private interview with your teacher, okay? Um, and when there's a monastery and a lot of monks and, you know, there's a lot of demand, teacher cannot spend a lot of time with individual students. And so during their regular time through the year, they may have a private interview with them at the most once a week or so. But during the Rohatsu session, he encourages the monks and every day they can go and, you know, meditate on their koans and so forth and interact with a private interview with the teacher and so forth. Um, so what, there was one Rohatsu session. I was at the Rokoin Temple, which is a sub-temple within the Daitokuji complex in walking distance of my place where we live in Kyoto, Japan, and small temple where it's a place where foreigners, you know, were welcomed. And it was the home temple of Kobori Roshi, Kobori Nanre Roshi, and uh, family temple. So there was a small group of uh, Westerners. So we sat at a Rohatsu Seshin. And after the, when it was the last day, uh, we gathered, and he gave a little talk. Kobori Roshi gave a talk. Uh, and he told a story of sharing his experience when during, when he sat in, when he was in training and sat at uh, his teacher's temple in the mountains. And um, he said, one Rohatsu Seshin, uh, his teacher used to tell the story that when the teacher... Uh, was doing his Rohatsu session. He was really trying to, kind of, trying to be determined, determined, resolved to sit intensely, sincerely. And he de- he decided to go sit in the nearby small pond. It was shallow, and he got a a buck, a, a wooden cast cask uh, that had the top and bottoms removed. And he put that cask in the water, and he got inside that cask, and he sat in the water and up to his neck, okay, in this shallow pond. Now it's winter time, <laughs> okay. It's cold, and he sat all night. And uh, so, as Kobori Sensei said, well, that's listen that story that my teacher used to tell us. So I'm just telling you about it too. And that one time during when Rohatsu Seshin, one of the members came to me and when he was working in the kitchen, he said, I'm going to go do like our teacher said that he did. And I'm going to go sit all night in the cold water. And there was no small pond nearby, but it, it was, a, they were in the mountains and there was a stream there. So he said, I'm going to, you know, take off, you know, my outer clothing, and I'm going to sit in that stream all night doing meditation. And I want you to be my witness. And uh, 
Kobori sensei said, no, I, I, I have my chores to do here, and you know, I don't want any part of this. But the guy went and did that, and uh, as it turned out, he caught a real bad cold, and uh, he could not complete his Rohatsu Seshin. Uh, and there's probably, I guess there's a moral there, as Kobori sensei said, you don't, try, you don't have to imitate. Plus, the guy wasn't too smart, he pointed out, because his teacher, he sat in a nice still pond, and he had a barrel around himself, whereas this guy went into the fast-moving mountain stream, you know. <laughs> uh, and then Kobori Sensei finished this story saying, Sometimes when the, his teacher was asked, well, what did you experience during that night when you were sitting in the small pond? And his teacher said, all his teacher would say is, you know, when the surface of the water uh, starts to freeze uh, and get a thin layer of ice, as, as, the, as it does that, the contraction and expansion, it makes a sound as it's freezing. Creak, creak. Makes that sound. And that's all he that's all he would say about his experience. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going and you have a happy, happy holidays. Ho ho ho. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.